Welcome to Clicking Balls. This is round 14, all wrapped up. My name is Heath, and the first question I ask every week is your highlight of the week. And it's just you and me, Josh. So what's your highlight of the week? Well, um, I know I go to motorsport a fair bit, and uh, this is no different. In the in the early stages of this year's Formula One, Max Verstappen was uh, famous for having a few crashes here and there. And uh, the press got into him. So, you know, do you have to change your driving style? Do you have to think about what you're doing? Is not crashing better than crashing? Mm, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but he managed to have a, a really good race in France uh, over the weekend. But the funny thing was, in the uh, first, uh, I think the second corner, first corner, uh, Sebastian Vettel got it wrong and uh, ran into the back of Valtteri Bottas. And uh, at the end of the race, um, Verstappen ended up on the podium, finishing second. And they said, uh, you know, how'd you find the race? He's like, well, I'm expecting you guys to uh, bail up Sebastian Vettel and ask him, does he need to change his driving style and why not? And then he's going to ignore you and just do what he does because I think that would be fair. So we had a bit of a crack at the media. Yeah, well, why not? Ah, oh, fair play. He's only 19. He can't drink on half the courses they drive on. <laughs> Bloody hell. But Driving yeah. those cars at 19. Uh, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every 19-year-old male thinks they can. Well, I know you know reaction times have got to be better at that age as opposed to, say, 39. And I don't imagine there's many Formula 1 drivers going around, you know, pushing their 40s. No good ones. No, no good ones, exactly. Um, I've got a rather tame highlight of the week. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for more podcasts because I spend a lot of time on public transport and fuck talking to people. Um, and I've noticed in the last six months, I'll say, there's a lot of official podcasts coming out. And a lot of the teams are sort of jumping on board now. Mm. Um, As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Which reminds me, you know, we've been around four years now. So we're, when it comes to footy podcasts, I think we're one of the first ones. Um, and certainly one of the only ones still going. Um, so, you know, get on iTunes and give us five stars. That'd be nice. Um, but anyway, the uh, there's an official Hawthorne one now, hosted by uh, Jack Fitzpatrick. And he has uh, James Frawley is his uh, co-host. They've done two episodes so far. But Jack Fitzpatrick, James Frawley, um, and they've decided to call it uh, Fits and Chips. Brilliant. That's all. The actual quality is, you know, here and all there, but just the fact that they've got fits and chips, well done. Yeah, no, that's that's a highlight. And honestly, that's more entertainment out of the podcast than I expected to get from Frawley. Um, he's actually pretty funny, but uh, uh, Jack Fitzpatrick is definitely the one that uh, rams at home. He's uh, he's quite a good laugh, the lad, I'll be honest. Oh, fair play. He's, for a bloke that played about six games for us, I think. Hey, you um, make money where you can. Well, he had to retire for um, uh, head knocks and whatnot. Um, so uh, he, he looks like he's enjoying life behind the scenes. Um, still got a, a gig down at Hawthorne, so good on him. Well, he's making money out of podcasts, which is more than podcasts generally do. <laughs> Certainly more than we've done. We're well in the red, if we want to go go all the way back through it. 
Um, anyway, so we've only got six games this week. We've got some other stuff to talk through at the end of it. Um, but we'll go through the games first. Um, starting on Thursday night, uh, the Eagles and Essendon. Um, I didn't catch all of this game because I, what was I bloody doing? Um, Literally anything else? No, I had something else on. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll really look forward to, to the, the Thursday night footy. Um, so I got caught up probably, I don't know, I was reading sto- bedtime stories of the kids or something. And then I, I checked in at quarter time and saw the score and went, what? Yeah, I was the same. I, I tuned in late and I'm like, hang on, what? And it was like uh, 30-odd nil. Six goals to nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. And it's like, what? What? Because this is one I... It, it fucked up my tips. Because being the first game, you put the margin too. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think I had West Coast by 50 and uh, I ended up being negative 100 on my margin. Well, you, you and beat me. Tip. I was negative 97 on my margin. So whatever, whatever that ends up being. But uh, yeah, that that hurt me. I dropped uh, quite a number of places. I was I was first uh, this round. I'm now fifth. No, I'm now second by margin, and my margin's big. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Um, I did not see it coming. Um, and oh, the other thing about uh, footy I've noticed um, in the last month, let's say, and I'm going to blame it on the World Cup. Um, the uh, the vernacular's changed. So now a team like Essendon gets six goals in front and then becomes very defensive. They've parked the bus. That's the phrase that I heard at least five times over the weekend. Um, that, you know, once you go defensive, you're parking the bus. And I believe it's because of the World Cup, because that used to be the Germany thing is, get 1-0 up, and then we go all defensive, we park the bus in front of the goals. I know so, Germans are pretty efficient. I feel like they would have parked the bus beforehand. They wouldn't have taken that off the list. Um, well, I mean, that, that's just, yeah, that's where the, the phrase has come from, in my mind. Um, well, that's where I've heard it. And then... Maybe it is one of those things, you know, confirmation bias. Once you hear it once, it just sticks out every time yeah. it gets mentioned. Okay. But I heard it about five times on the weekend, and I'm blaming the World Cup. Anyway, I heard somebody say, you know, uh, Don's first quarter, six goals up, then they park the bus. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, 6-16 to the Eagles. That's fucked. It was one of the worst goal-kicking weekends uh, of all time. Um, but 6-16 without um, uh, Kennedy, Josh and Jack. Uh, Kennedy and Darling and I don't think either will be back next week either um, so that's a bit of a challenge for them but uh, yeah fair to say not many people pick this one happening well in hindsight you could say oh you know they're going to struggle to kick goals but I still thought no. Lacroix would have pounded a bunch through and then McGovern moving forward is always an option they didn't move him forward until the fourth quarter yeah because they needed to win the game but you say struggle to kick goals but they've got plenty of shots on goal yeah that's I mean true. they had more shots on goal than Essendon did um, and, and still lost by five goals but not to sell Essendon short, they look great. They were willing to take the game on through the corridor a lot of the time. Oh, brilliant running. Um, in the first, I oh, don't know, month or so um, of, of the season when Essendon were playing poorly, it's because they go sideways, sideways, sideways. Ah, uh, no, sideways, sideways, sideways. Um, and to be honest, guys like Adam Saab were trying to take the game on and getting caught. Hmm. Now they go sideways, forward, sideways, forward, and you're like, well, shit, that's moving fast. Um, but it, it reminds me of rugby league in that, you, you go a bit sideways, a bit sideways, and all of a sudden someone breaks the line and they, they go bolt. And uh, that's and Saad a, does that. Goddamn Saad and uh, McKenna as well. Yeah. They've got absolute bolters. Um, I noticed on the coaches voting, uh, the, the top two lines uh, were Devin Smith and, and Adam Saad. So there's their yep. two uh, um, Speedsters. big recruits this year as well. And uh, I just checked, I think that uh, Stringer was uh, leading goal kicker for the game. Yeah, three goals, two. Tell you what, you'd have Saad on your side, wouldn't you? You'd make oh, room for him. Of course, of course. Um, there's there's nobody that doesn't like a tough, hard-running um, yeah. halfback. 
I still remember that time he, he outgut ran Boomer and Boomer's calling people onto him. Did something except, exceptionally similar to Paul Piopolo too. Mm. And I won't pretend that um, Poppy's got the same uh, engine that uh, Boomer Harvey has, but um, he still is a little speedster. And, you know, for Saad to do it running away, bouncing the footy, yeah. um, and kept going, you know. But the worst thing is he runs away, but not quite fast enough for you to give up. Yeah. So you're like, I'm, I'm stuck in this chase because if I don't fucking do it... There's a lot of times you go, somebody shepherd me, somebody yeah. shepherd me. <laughs> oh, hammy, hammy. No, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I, I think more than most, I was uh, very bullish on Essendon this year and uh, efforts like that can really show what they're capable of. Um, not missing Danaher all that much. Matter of fact, when he comes back, you're like... Uh. Well, McKernan was decent. Uh, and Stringer, obviously, kicking 3-2. Uh, and Stewart's a good target, yeah. even if he's not kicking big bags. And uh, to be honest, I, I never was really fully sold on Danaher. Obviously, I'd, I'd still bring him in, but you've got to be saying to him, mate, uh, you're not leading the forward line now. Yeah. you got to you play your role, and your role's going to be a bit more up the ground. Um, a lot of the commentary out of the game, too, was uh, blaming the Eagles for being soft. It, it just looked like this was a flat week for them, for whatever reason. It happens from time to time. Well, you yeah. Um, Richmond last year won the premiership and got flogged by St Kilda that didn't even make uh, finals. It happens sometimes. I think this will be just swept under the you know the, the rug. Um, but when um, they're having a go at them being soft, it doesn't mean that you're saying that player is soft every day of the week. It's just saying you had a soft game. I think that's all it is. And Nick Nat copped the brunt of it, but you just go, you know what? You had a bad game. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was matched, to be honest, in the ruck. Bell Chambers yeah. has been great. He's, he did really well. I've, I've loved his season, to be honest. It's that workhorseman-like. It's not a highlight reel, but goddamn, he's uh, he's come up against uh, a lot of big ruckmen, and he's evened the contest. Yeah. you know, and, and that's all you ask when you're up against you know somebody, uh, an athletic beast like Nick Nat. Yeah. Uh, um, also, just while I'm, I'm on Nick Nat, I think uh, when he came back at the start of the year, there was a lot of emotion. It's like, oh, he's finally back. Um, and that you can feel that lift the side every yeah. time he's doing something. I think that honeymoon period is um, worn off now, and it's you're just one of our players again. So it requires something else to to get them up and going. And they'll probably get that once you know Jack and Josh are back. But it's that almost the um, the uh, adrenaline dump over yeah. a number of months is now there. But I think too he he came back and uh, hit the ground running. That's fair to say. But he still hasn't had a full preseason. No, no, still. Still affected through it. Uh, he's still not playing full games, you know? Yeah, so it is great to have him back. Uh, and by finals time, maybe he'll be right. Maybe he'll be carrying injuries that all Ruckman do. I don't know. But uh, it's always always worth watching when he's playing. He, he does amazing shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Heppel with 11 marks. That, to me, sticks out too. Well, it means making space. Yeah. Really? Which, all you want from him. And I, I reckon that's how you can get on top of uh, West Coast as well, is try and make them accountable. Yeah. Um and but because they they're used to dominating in the ruck, and when you're not dominating the ruck, there's you know Plan B's got to come into into effect, and mm-hmm. nobody likes Plan B when you've got such a good Plan A. But also they were running uh, in packs through the guts and around the wings as well, wide enough that one player couldn't take two people on. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, which that uh, sticks in my craw so much when you see players running shoulder to shoulder. Like, get the fuck away from him, either shepherd yeah. or move away and be an option. Um, yeah, mine with that is when you handball and then stand still. Hmm. Either you're shepherding or you're making the next option. Drag the bloke and give him a week. Yeah. 
All right, uh, but yeah, I don't think it's panic stations for West Coast by any stretch of the imagination. Just kick a bit straighter and uh, be a bit more uh, awake. Yeah, but Essen have earned optimism too. They can legitimately be um, not expecting finals, but that, that's their aim. I'll tell you what, there's going to be a battle for the eighth position and they're, they're in the conversation without a doubt. And they weren't a month ago. No. They were looking bottom four a month ago. I mean, they lost to fucking Carlton. And now they beat West Coast in, in, over in West Coast. Anyway, Friday night. Um, so, uh, Port Adelaide hosting uh, Melbourne. So, the, the bad news is I am one for one on late changing in tips. Because <laughs> um, about 10 minutes before the bounce, and even in last week's podcast, I tipped Port and then I was talking myself into Melbourne. Well, I talked myself into it and I changed it over. And, uh, <laughs> that's another reason why I'm now fifth. Well, I tipped Port. Uh, and then didn't change my tip. So uh, lucky you. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought the last play of the game really showed the difference because um, uh, Port Adelaide were trying to ice the clock, um, being you know two goals up with a minute left, um, and all they did was kick to a contest along the boundary line, and Ollie Wines took a mark, then Charlie Dixon took a mark, and then uh, Paddy Ryder took a mark, mm. and then Ollie Wines took another one. Yeah. So that was just four. Old-fashioned, 1970s, down the line, and somebody took a mark. I, Melbourne couldn't do that all night. I think if you were to do a, a Moneyball-style thing, like when um, they recruited players in Oakland, wasn't it, solely based on how often they get on base. Yep. If you were to do that in the AFL, it'd be how many contested marks they're taking per game. I think that's almost like uh, home runs. You know, the contested marks are like gold these days. Absolutely. Especially if you're not a seven foot tall bloke. Yeah, I know that's it's killed up Hawthorne several times. It's just we just can't take a contested mark and we can't stop them. Uh, but this one, I mean, Melbourne are a good contested mark side usually. Um, mm. Just on this night, they couldn't. It was fun to watch Paddy Ryder and uh, Maxi Gorn go at it too. Very different ruckmen with uh, a lot of influence when they're on. Um, there, was, there was one stage of the game where they pulled up the comparison records, and you don't realise that how um, young. Max Gorn is I know. inexperienced I think he's at 80 games and Paddy Ryder's at about 220 and I reckon in when it came to especially boundary throw-ins it looked every much you know the the veteran versus the uh, the up-and-comer yeah I thought he dominated in some of those and pushed Paddy uh, sorry Paddy pushed uh, Maxi Gorn around far too easy I thought well I think Paddy's probably got about 15 kilos on Gorn because Gorn's built around mobility he's a he's a gas tank yeah, but he, he's meant. He's a, still a strong lad. You, oh, you, you would have thought, but I know he's dropped a few kilos, and I, I, I didn't think that Paddy Ryder would be able to manhandle him as well as he did. Not that he dominated the hitouts or the uh, clearances, even quite the opposite. Mm. But it surprised me how easily he moved Maxi Gorn out of position sometimes. Well, he's a strong bloke, but I could think of five ruckmen straight away that I think are stronger than than Gorn. Gorn, like Ryder for one, obviously. Well, now, but yeah. I wouldn't have thought that before the game. Oh, I'd, I'd also throw Stefan Martin in there, well, Sam Jacobs, yes, um, Nick Nat. See, I someone like Sam Jacobs, I would have thought, oh, Maxi Gorn, you give him a good contest now. But after what I saw on the weekend, you go, oh, maybe, maybe it's just an off night. Well, he's built around athleticism, not really shoulder-to-shoulder stuff. Um, but, you know, muscle doesn't necessarily make a good ruckman. That's why Mad Jack Door plays back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought it was one where I thought Maxi was going to stake his claims here, um, and, and he didn't. Um, in my mind, anyway. Well, he didn't have his flags completely lowered. Let's you know. No, he, no. He still uh, got in there, but yeah, he didn't have that uh, dominant around the ground game that we kind of thought he might. 
Um, I'm just checking it now. The hitouts were 50 to 40, basically. Yeah. Um, which, you know, 53 hitouts is a good night, but uh, the AFL app doesn't tell me hitouts to advantage. Um, yeah. I wonder too, though, with the midfield that Port have, whether that affected his ability to control the hitout. Because you've got to be spot on against well, uh, the likes, you know, Ebert and both Greys and, you know, even bloody um, uh, Dixon and Wines running around the place. Well, that's the thing with this game, and everybody's pointed it out. Inside 50s, Melbourne smashed them. Clearances, mm. Melbourne smashed them. Um, it, the, the reason they didn't win was because the, the, they were bombing it in long. Um, Hogan wasn't playing up forward for half of it, yeah. and uh, McDonald wasn't taking big marks either. Um, it, that really is, I, I think, some of that's on the coaching. Um, yeah, you got to say, guys, you got to lower our eyes a bit. And uh, Jesse, why don't you try out of the goal square rather than running up half back? Um, and the other part is sometimes you just can't help dumb players. Um, yeah. You got to, you know, what? Well, let's try a running goal from forty rather than uh, let's just bombing it long. Um, hit up a few more passes, maybe. But it's easy to say that after the fact, of course. Yeah, I do find it frustrating too. And this is just you know nuffy on the concrete watching the footy. But when you've got a full forward who's up at centre half forward, it, it seems like they just bomb it to about 45 metres out yeah. rather than take those extra 10 steps if they can and uh, bomb it goal side of the player. Because if Hogan's goal side of his defender and the ball's bouncing in front of him, fuck, oh, it's yeah, a goal. Yeah, you, nine times out of 10. You, you, you back the, your man in a one-on-one. But instead they're popping it right up. And it was too easy for Port as well. You know, they uh, Westhoff um, just loved it. You know, he just float back a kick and a half behind play and they bomb it in and if he wasn't taking an un- uncontested mark he was making sure the ball was getting spoilt he's having a bloody good season for a homeless bloke yeah um, speaking of the other week uh, you know Benny Brown come out and said he's got the vegan diet uh, you know Westoff runs a vegan bloody uh, food truck or something what yeah it's call a, it dumpster no it's a it's a vegan f- uh, wine and wine company or, or something like that and he runs it out of a bloody old caravan um, because cool. he, w- he wanted to do something. He's not vegan himself. He just saw a, a gap in the market. Oh, yeah, fair thought, enough. Geez, champ, th- this sounds like something a, col- a Carlton player would have done back in the day just to get the old uh, paper bags. I thought uh, most wine would be vegan, to be honest. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember it, what I read about it, but yeah. Or is it just like one of those ones where they have, like, uh, you know, something and it's gluten free? Something that will never ever have had gluten, like steak, <laughs> like, gluten free. Gluten free apples. Yeah. <laughs> and you've seen, I've seen that sort of shit marked up. Gluten-free apple juice. Like, yeah, all of it is. But as soon as you put that in there, people go, oh, I can, I can buy this now. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a vegan winemaking um, and, yeah, something like that. Vegan winemaking. It is vegan winemaking. Yep, I'm looking it up now. He runs out of a food truck. I don't understand it, um, but anyway, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's making him a lot of money, but it might be just one of those things that, Keeping him busy, you know, gives him something to do besides footy. And he's from the Barossa uh, originally, so, you know, food and wine sort of goes hand in hand with him down there. Well, if he's vegan, he can't do cheese. He's not vegan, no. Well, I mean, if he's selling a vegan. <laughs> I guess he can do a vegan cheese. There must be That must exist. I mean, there's vegan... Can do a soy cheese or something? Well, I guess that's tofu, really. I guess. I don't know. It must be a thing. And it must be horrible, whatever it is. Well, yeah, you won't be able to have blue cheese or anything. But anyway, um, that's what... Uh, oh, the good thing about vegan cheese, you couldn't have that one with the maggots in it. You know the one with the maggots crawling yeah, through the cheese? Yeah. That's obviously not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, it wasn't going to happen for me anyway. No, no, of course not. Um, all right, so anyway, that's... Uh, Port Adelaide have had uh, three big wins at home in 
you know, Thursdays and, and Friday night footies over the last uh, month. So um, they've uh, really come alive and uh, challenging for a top four now. Um, on to the Saturday game, and Hawthorne versus the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, did you watch any of this one? Uh, I watched the, the first little bit, and it looked like Gold Coast actually had come to play. The first quarter Gold Coast, geez, they look clean. Um, moving the ball so fast, so direct, picking apart the Hawthorne zone. And it, it was almost, uh, looked like almost a training run. And it, at that stage, it was, where was this Gold Coast all year? And how much are they going to win by today? Then the rest of the game happened. Yeah, I'll, uh, I thought two-metre Peter was getting in there for a, a decent outing. Faded, like... Um, like the rest of his side. Yeah, and it, uh, even Tommy Lynch didn't uh, do his price any good, really. He uh, contributed. No, in the first quarter, he was yeah, in the dominating. First quarter, brilliant. Um, he, he kicked two goals um, and, and looked like he could not be stopped. But if you're only going to play 25% of the game, you're not going to get 25% of the fee. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because it was a horrible game to watch. Uh, yeah, not the, fun. The goal kicking doesn't help. I mean, collectively, what have we got there? 18 goals, 31. Um, and that's only because Hawthorne came home with, strong in kicking uh, five last quarter goals. Um, it was a disgusting game, to be honest. And it, the skills, like I said, the field kicking, especially in the first quarter, was sublime. Um, the, the, there was pressure on the ball around the ground. But that goal kicking just makes it, it felt such a low um, I was listening to the, even the commentators on uh, on the radio because I was uh, driving for a third quarter, I think. They were bored shitless. Yeah. I just had a quick look through. 26 different players scored. Only 13 of them scored goals. Yeah. I don't think there was many. Uh, was there one multiple goal scorer on both sides or something like that? There might have been a couple. No, um, a few. Like uh, Gunston got three, Bruce got two. Yeah, two for each side. Yeah, Wright yeah. got two, Lynch got two. Um Bruce kicked two goals, three. He should have kicked. They were difficult goals that he missed. Um, and they were saying, you know, once the ball gets above the stands, the breeze can take it. These were shanks off the boot. I mean, they weren't. They were not hard shots. That, excuse me, that they missed. Um, the fact that uh, two meter Peter's first goal was from fifty out on uh, on the, uh, a good angle, and he just punched it low and went straight through. I was just horrible, horrible to watch. I think we need to bring gloves back. Like, uh, let the Travis Cloak glove back in. Maybe Trav Cloak gets back in the team. I don't know. Could be. He's probably still on someone's list. I think he signed a 45-year contract. These is, It's just such a frustrating game to watch. Um, the last two weeks, uh, Hawthorne have uh, let a total of nine goals through and scored, uh, let's see, 80, 90 points, so 170-odd points each. Two of the most unwatchable games I can, I can remember. Um, two, you know... Uh, 50-point margins, both of them. And if I never have to watch those games again, I'll be happy. It's just That's just so weird. Like Any other side, you say they've had nine goals kicked against them in two weeks. They've won by the best part of 10 goals in back-to-back weeks. You'd be saying, you know, things are turning around. They're not. They weren't playing well. It's just been terrible, terrible games. So a good game, uh, though, was Jared Lyons. Like, he had 30 touches, but 22 contested possessions. I mean, he's the guy that's he's playing. Yeah, I mean, he got the ball, but he didn't do much with it afterwards. No, what are, what are his options? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, Liam Shields was great. Uh, I think he, he added a couple of goals um, to his tally as well as you know picking up uh, plenty of the ball. Um, I mean, the other highlight was obviously uh, Taylor Jure, who's got a 
good ten, a contender for goal of the goal of the week for sure. And I don't know, probably top five for goals, uh, marks, marks, mark of the week rather than goal. Sorry, um, probably top five for mark of the year too. Came out of nowhere. We've had a, a good. A few mark of the year contenders. I mean, Kerno had two. The oh, Jezelenko style and the screamer over the back. This is the best week for marks in a long time. Mm. I think the top five marks from this week were all better than Danaher's mark of the year last year. Yep, I'd give that. <laughs> Solely for the no salty mows. Yeah. Um, anyway, like I said, one of the worst games of it, uh, I've had the displeasure to watch. Um, on to Brisbane Lions and Giants. Nothing came out of this game worth talking about, was it? <laughs> no, no talking points? Uh, Brisbane looked all right, didn't they? In, um, in patches. I tell you what, since we're talking about marks, Hodgie's mark was an absolute screamer. He, he got off the ground. He got yeah. off the ground pretty well. Um, yeah. I haven't seen him do that since his second year in the in the league. Um, I'm just checking. I think he added a goal or two as well. Uh, did he? Yeah, he did. He kicked a goal. So 30 touches, 23 kicks, if you don't mind. He's, he's given up on this handball game. Um, there's no point for the old fella. Well, he's playing proper back then. Um, I like after a game like that and taking that big mark, um, they automatically start talking, well, maybe you can go around again. Well, he's not going to call time until someone's ready to take his place and no one is. Um, and there's, without a doubt, they are better organised with him down back. Oh, shit, yeah. Even if he doesn't touch the damn ball. But uh, particularly he, when it looks like uh, Harris Andrews is going to be spending some time out. Yeah, well, I mean, we will get to that in two seconds. But I was listening to um, somebody else. Uh, oh, no, I was reading a Bob Murphy article, and they're talking about the structures that they all have to um, be versed on and how difficult it is because there's uh, you know, probably 10 or 15 different positions um, or, or set structures where in any situation of the game, you need to know where you need to be. And you could be in five or six different places in any one of those 15 different structures. So you need yeah. to know everybody. When you've got somebody like Hodge out there who knows them back to front and can change them on the fly, it makes such a difference. Um, so that's really what uh, they're getting out of there. And I, I knew that existed. We didn't know how um, complex it can be, especially for the young players. All right, on to Harris Andrews and then Jeremy Cameron. So we're recording this on Monday night. So uh, Jeremy's being referred to the tribunal. So we don't know what the result is. Um, I feel like the conversation's changed a bit since the weekend. When yeah, it first happened, it looked like three to four weeks. Now it's looking five to six. As soon as they say uh, bleed on the brain and all that kind of thing, it, it does change the conversation. Like, even though I, I don't really like them paying the consequence rather than the intention, but when you're lifting your arm and copying some guy who... And uh, Harris Andrews was in all Australian form. Yep, yep. Um, you got to say that you got to stamp it out, and it needs a long suspension. So I'm thinking six. Yeah. Now, actually, when do we play them? Well, we play them next week. Um, uh, part of me wants him to get off with nothing, just so people stop talking about Ryan Burton. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, yeah, it's I can't see it being less than five. Um, people are trying to compare it to the Barry Hall one. I just think that's just so different because it wasn't in play. Um, when I first watched it, I thought, oh, he's a bit unlucky because he's, he's leaped for the ball and he's realised he's too late. And then he's stuck a forearm up, out. But the more I watched it, you go, actually, you've gone with that forearm very fucking early. Yeah. Um, and the result from Harris Andrew, I mean, before he hit the ground, you know, the big spin and everything, I, I, I can't see it being less than five. Um, the most accurate um, comparison I can think of is Tom Jonas a couple of years ago and he got six um, I, I don't see it being less than that yeah 
I can't see it less than five. Um, but it, it is one of those things that I don't believe it's it, it's something that you write off his character as no. a shit human being for the rest of his life. It, it's it's almost it's not like he went out there and thought I'm going to take him out. No, um, he was hard at the ball. He was just um, his reaction was just not, totally wrong. Not careless, but reckless. I'd say. Um, and that's not the definitive uh, tribunal version of reckless. I no, no, mean. just reckless is in the English language, not yep. the tribunal. Not the uh, legal term, if you yeah. like. But uh, you think of uh, so many players have had moments like that where it's just a poor reflex or a, a split moment thought where you're like, fuck this guy, oh no, wait, <laughs> that's yeah. a really bad it's idea. Even guys that have done it, you've heard them go, what I did that for? I don't well, know why I did that. The one that comes to my mind is uh, Solly on Link. On Link, yeah, which you know a lot of people still think is one of the worst things they've ever seen. Yeah, but you know straight away he comes out and apologises in front of the media, kind of thing. Um, and let's be honest, Ling wasn't made any uh, prettier, prettier or uglier by it. Yeah, um, and he is commentating, so obviously his voice wasn't but, affected, unfortunately. And we talked to him about it, and he just said, oh, "I don't know." It yeah, just, and it just happened. It it, it does because their first thought is always. Hey, as long as it's not me. And we all do it. Like you get, as soon as you're looking at tripping, if you've got, uh, you know, unless you have a small child in your arms or something, the first thing you do is you put your hands up. Yeah. Uh, so if he sees a body coming at him, I can absolutely understand up. putting a, a forearm up. It just happened. This was the elbow. But none of that mitigates it. Uh, no. You've still got to um, mass- actively and massively discourage well, it. The other thing besides, okay, the health issues, like, because there's, Bleeding on the brain and that kind of stuff. And uh, even Brisbane has spoken about um, Maguire, uh, and there was the lad Clark up there, um, mm. not Mitch, the other the other lad, yep. um, and Jonathan Brown. You know, there are concussion and head injury issues that can plague you for the rest of your life. So there's the health issue side of it. Beyond that, even um, today, um, radio stations are calling up Brent Staker to ask his opinion on it. It changes the career. Like even if your health issues are fine, yeah. like. Brent, whenever there's a big hit, nobody brings up Brent Staker and asks about the two grand final or the one grand final he played in, and you know the other 150 odd games he played. What about that time you got knocked out? I mean, that's his career now. You fuck one goat. Yeah, exactly, and, and he didn't even get to fuck the goat. The goat fucked him. Yeah, and the, the funniest part for me is that Barry Hall's still playing, and he's still knocking motherfuckers out <laughs> around the place. Yeah, um, so there's a good chance that Harris Andrews comes back and they still talk, remember that time, you know, Jeremy Cameron got you? Um, well, it'll spook him. It absolutely will. It'll change the way he plays because it's got to. It, well, you, you even hope it does change the way he plays because you don't want to see him get hit again. Yeah, that was... Um, but what I won't entertain is talk about red cards and all that kind of stuff because I don't think you make a rule change that big based on a once-every-year kind of issue. Especially not uh, mid-season or anything, but I, I can see the the call for it because if it is something like like a um, Brent Staker Barry Hall thing, yeah, where it's completely blatant and, and uh, intended, the fact that West Coast were down a man for the rest yeah. of the match, whereas Saint, uh, Sydney weren't uh, disadvantaged at all except for the free kick, you could make the argument that all right, in that instance, they should have dragged him because there's no doubt about his guilt. Yeah. Whereas for this, oh. you, you can make some arguments. Um. Yeah, not very strong arguments, but I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, um, I just I just don't want to send off rule because we're going to see it um, applied wrongly, and then we go, well, you know, what happens now? Sometimes you just got to go. You know what? This happens once a year. 
at, at best. I mean, it happened once last year, maybe. Um, it's not uh, prevalent enough to say, let's change how the game's always been played. Um, I can understand it for country footy and that kind of stuff because, you know, there's difference. But well, the umpires have got to survive in country footy. Exactly. Um, and also, you know, they'll say, oh, whatever, if it happens in a final, you know, you know what? We'll find out when it happens in a final. Well, in a final, what should be happening then is every other teammate comes in and gives that bloke a touch <laughs> And make sure. Fuck it, mate. I'm getting suspended too. I don't give a shit. Um, and like I said, like Jerry Cameron, Jeremy Cameron's career is not going to be the same after this regardless. Doesn't matter if he gets uh, three games or thirteen games, his his career has changed. Well, and look, uh, I think I've already done this once, but I'm putting a line through GWS without him. It's going to be very close now. Patton kicked three, but, uh, but he he's having a spark of form. I don't think his goal kicking is going to be uh, this good. Well, he's having to pinch hit in the ruck as well because mm-hmm. lobs out, and uh, I think Dawson Simpson might be either form or injury as well. I'm not 100. percent on that so it it definitely puts a big question mark over G, GWS who are just starting to turn things around well who's your second option up forward now they've got tons of great midfielders um, it'll be someone you haven't heard of before that's what will happen you know? yeah no, true but uh, they've got quality players don't don't even worry about that but when you when Patton becomes the sole focal point your best defender goes on him and isn't afraid of being uh, Patton running off him because Patton's slow as fuck. Um, I know we've said this uh, a thousand times before, but um, it's such a shame too because this would have been great for Lockie Tiziani, you know, to come in and debut. And you know, he's got, he's got some nice high marks, but anyway, he's done his knee, so he's not playing. All right, um, and again, it's a shame because there's nothing else people are talking about in this game. Um, but you know, that's obviously it's going to be the thing that dominates all week. Um, tomorrow night when he goes to the tribunal, it'll be must see. Um, online updates. It's not TV, but yeah. I'll, I'll be following along. I reckon they should televise it. I know they've floated it before, but oh, they televise every it, other fucking thing. It'll, it'll be paint dry. Like, I'm fine with watching the updates on afl.com.au just because every 10 minutes there's one line. So you can imagine what it'll be like there to hear. That's the one interesting line. But yeah, anyway. get, a bit, get Judge Judy in there. Having said, I'll, same as you though. I'd, I'd go and watch once, but then I'd go, okay, I understand. I'd, I'd heckle. Yeah. All right, on to Saturday night, the Bulldogs and the Kangaroos. Um, great. Uh, it was a good, ugly footy, if I can say that. The pressure was on from the get-go. Well, we, we're playing teams into form. We did the same with uh, Geelong. They looked uh, all at sea, and all of a sudden they play us, and they're, they're loving life. Um, the Bulldogs, look, it wasn't pretty in the first half, but the Bulldogs brought the pressure. Yeah, didn't they? Uh, Caleb Daniel and um, oh, the other midget, what's his name? God, I've gone absolutely blank. Dowhouse, oh. playing game one of 150. And mind you, if somebody asked me how many games Dowhouse has played, I would have said half that amount. But um, it sneaks up on you. Um, both, of, Especially um, Caleb Daniel, he's such a good base on him, on you know, being a short little stocky fella. Um, but those two weaving in and out and uh, pinpoint passing. Um, Even on the outside of the boot, bloody Caleb Daniel. Oh, that was some weird ones, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, like that. Um but uh, interesting game because, like I said, the, the pressure was on, and even though some of the skills weren't quite there, um, I thought this was yeah a good ugly game. See, I, I didn't enjoy it much at the ground. I enjoyed you were shaking it much your more. head a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot more watching the replay, and part of that was because you knew the result. Well, yeah, that too. But also, where we were, we were seeing a lot of uh, negativity because we we're on the the skinny side. And things like um, Magic Door not becoming a marking option when it should have been him. Who was it? Oh, it was Shaki once just bodied him out, which yeah. looked far too easy. But it, the thing is, every time I thought, oh, that player's had a fuck night, 
when I was watching it again on the TV and you can actually see the whole ground, like uh, Atlee, I thought, geez, he's been a bit shit. But then I looked at, he was involved in about five goals and kicked a nice one himself. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, all right, I was wrong there. And then same with Magic Door. I thought, he had a pretty shit first half and he had a couple of stud moments. I, I tell you what, you don't win without Magic Door. No. It took three uh, intercept marks in the last quarter uh, and two of them were pack marks. But they were beautiful, like uh, authoritative grabs. Like you see, uh, the way Ben Brown marks is arms up and he waits the ball to land in them whereas Mad Jack Daw traps the ball in between his big fucking mitts he's changed so much since he's moved back it's been a great coaching um, move and he's taken to it because he's like see ball get ball whereas before when he's trying to play ruck and forward it's like where am I meant to be now well I think to being a defender he can just run with his man yep and And sometimes it's, uh, guys, I want you to stand in front of their full forward. Or, you know, it, there are times where he's playing that, the the bloke a kick and a half behind, and it's suiting him. Yeah, and the he gets in trouble when there's uh, space in front of him because he never knows whether he wants to stand in front of his player or behind him. And, yeah. You know, he, he doesn't read the, the kicker very well. But if there's, a, if there's no gap in front of him and he knows it's going to be popped up, He's pretty confident of going for a mark. He didn't stick many in the first half, but in the last quarter, he's in the three last ten minutes. Saves. Yep, in the last ten minutes, he did, and that's uh, that's what you want. Um, and, and let's be honest, uh, this was Bulldogs' game to lose in that last uh, play with Mitch Wallace going forward, kicking it out of bounds on the full. Uh, when he had a little dinky fifteen metre pass to a bloke by himself that he could have done. And the bloke could have said, oh, I'm 51 out, I'm having a shot, thanks. Uh, we'll chew up this 30 seconds. Well, there's, what, a minute 10 left? So he could have just even kicked backwards. And then gone back, yeah. That, all they had to do was have stopped the play. He could but, have stuck the, his thumb up his ass and just uh, waited for the umpire to call play on. But anyway, Mitch Wallace kicks it out of bounds on the full. And then from that point on, it reminded me of uh, Sydney v Richmond a few years ago when Lloyd kicked the winning goal after the siren. It was the kicks went where they needed to go, the bounces fell their way, um, they made right choices. Uh, Benny Brown's decision to kick that little grubber off the ground was brilliant. And, and it was as brilliant as Jackson Trengrove leaving Benny Brown was dumb. <laughs> well, the the key there, well, there was about five keys points. But, yeah, um, all the way. Mason Wood didn't really have a great night, but he gets that one tap down to... Um, um, I think it was Atlee, but I'm not sure. McDonald. No, it was uh, McDonald, yeah. And McDonald gets it away to, I think it was Higgins, and then Higgins to... Uh, Goldie and Goldie does a weird kick back to Higgins again uh, on Higgins though he's got to be a dark horse of the brown like, he's had a brilliant season um, he probably is yeah I think you know especially the way people are falling away and <laughs> getting suspended <laughs> um, I, I, I'd say he'd be in the teens for votes without a doubt um, I'd love to see Cunnington get it but he's not this player that does and probably you know what low 20s is probably enough this year you know I know it's been 30s the last couple of years, but mm. there's been a lot of Brownlows given out for 2021 votes. But uh, And then obviously Higgins kicks it uh, just in front of Benny Brown nicely and Brown with the soccer and Zeebel... Zeebel took every second he, he had. He did. He, <laughs> he, he picked it up, looked at the player running at him and went, fuck it, I got this. But I think that's because uh, right about then Atley was about 25 metres out dead in front waiting for the ball kind of thing. Yeah. So he had to make that choice of do I go myself and risk being spoiled and uh, be the hero, or do I... It's almost one of those ones where you're better off if you don't know you've got a choice. Yeah. Um, But uh, he he looked at it and summed it up and said, you know, I'm on the edge of the goal square. I think I can make it from here. Yep. Um, But no, it was... It was entertaining to watch knowing the result. But uh, as as an all fan, it was very much... um, 
heart in throat, shake heads, what the uh, fuck were they thinking moments? 12 goals, 5 is a good return. But uh, like we said, Bulldogs um, should have won it. Um, it felt like all night. It felt like Bulldogs game all night. And for the Bulldogs, um, Gowers, he looked something special. Wasn't he great? Yeah. Um, first year or second year player? Um, He's only a, only a young lad. Uh, they, they had a... Uh, the endeavour that they showed, especially considering you know the, the outs that they had, yeah, um, in uh, you know McRae and uh, Eastern Wood on injury list alone, North should have walked over this. Yeah, oh, that's right. Billy Hartung went out. Uh, he came in early for wait, wait. Don't know why they even bothered naming wait, but um, it was good to see Waity up in the in the crowd. Really enjoy the win as well. Yeah, he pulled his calf. Again pulled his calf during that, without a doubt. Um, but it's a shame for Billy Hartung because uh, you know you get a late call up and then to do your hammy. I think he got didn't he did he get uh, dragged at half time in the VFL? Yeah, he did. He only played yeah. half a match because um, uh, the, the weight pulled out. Yeah, I think they were going to wait uh, right up to the last minute, but I think they know it's weight. So yeah. like, hey, Billy, you might want to have a seat, lad. Anyway, um, but end of the day, the North played badly and come away with the four points. So that's all you can ask for. Well, last year the Bulldogs did this to us twice. Yeah, um, they yeah. got less than a goal win and won with a, a nice little steal. So, look, they probably deserve this, but uh, I'll take a turn about being fair play. Uh, hey, winning badly is still winning. Um, all right, on to Sunday, Collingwood versus Carlton. Um, it's got to say, Carlton copped everything in the media last week, and rightly so, because their effort against Fremantle was disastrous. Um, the endeavour was there this week. That was really a hot football to get. Um, the skills weren't, and they were beaten by the better side. But endeavour from them w- was brilliant, especially you know they were two men down. They lost uh, Cruiser and they lost Lockie Plowman. And I'm a big fan of Lockie Plowman. Tell so there were some things that uh, we we've talked about Liam Jones being rehabilitated. He had some fucking spud moments this game. I think you got to see the best and the worst of him because he had some good moments too. The, the spud ones stand out more though because you're like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's him, right. But- he kicks directly to an opposition player 40 out dead in front. Fucking spud. Yeah. Which That's the problem being a backman. You can have five good moments, one bad one costs a goal. Yep. Um, it's like, you know, uh, I think somebody even mentioned it during the commentary. Um, you know, you have a big one-on-one and your backman wins, you go, oh, good, you stopped the goal. Um, and, you know, play goes on. Um, the forward wins, kicks a goal, everyone cheers, everyone goes back to the middle and you go, aren't you a dickhead? You, you got beaten. Well, yep. It's, it's, it's all the... The backman's all, lament. All the criticism and none of the glory. But uh, we touched on it earlier, Charlie Curnow. Jeez, he, he is having a breakout season. He threatened this in rounds one and two mm. um, and then went a bit soft, a bit quiet for a, a few months. Um, a bit like Carlton as well, to be well, honest. Yeah. Um, but he came out in this one. It looked like something clicked and he went, if the ball's within 12 feet, I'm, I'm leaping for it. Um, he have a nice leap too. There was one mark that he took. Um, Jeremy Howe was behind him and Jeremy Howe couldn't get high enough. That's a Same fair fucking now. effort. Um, he couldn't get high enough to spoil it. Um, but, I mean, the class came through um, for Collingwood. And I tell you what, Mason Cox is becoming a bit of a weapon as well. He's a monstrous unit, isn't he? Well, a lot like Benny Brown. Once he stretches those arms, nobody's reaching him. Um, well, no, and he is a, a beautiful, uh, pure kick of the ball. Um, it's it's a, a very thoughtful technique. Hmm. Um, it, it's not... You know, somebody like Buddy, you go, well, that's how you kick. Just do it, mate. It works. With him, you can see the wheels in motion almost. Yeah, and it, it is mechanical. Whereas a lot of Very, footy players, yeah. they'll 
they'll lean one way or lean the other when they're trying to get more hook or more. And it's obviously not natural for him because he hasn't grown up kicking. Yeah. But he's one of those guys where if you need to kick straight, he's fine. Kicking around corners and whatnot, bit of a struggle. But a tall ruckman that can kick straight. Well, he doesn't ruck that much either, which is the other luxury because Brody Grundy is absolutely killing it. Isn't he though? That uh, he can spend, you know, 80% of his time up forward. It's still fucking amazes me that he's only 23 or, or 24 I think or something like that yeah, yeah. we, we said this a few times yeah still uh, it's you know they say Ruckman reached their peak about 28, 29 yeah he's got some ways to go so we've got five more years of he and Gorn fighting it out that's great um, footy's a winner footy's a winner uh, and Trelaw goes from the lows to the highs to the lows again when he pulled his hamstring everyone goes oh that's 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 going to really trouble him then after the, they said nah it's just a cramp we just crammed up and then we're here today. No, nah, it might be off the bone. He's really fucked, and it could be season ending. That's uh, that's a, a a big blow for Collingwood. I'm not going to lie. The fact Collingwood are going to potentially struggle doesn't uh, really shade my heart too much. No, I, I, I do like it, but I do like seeing Trelaw play though. Uh, he is one of those quality players. To be honest, like I've said it before, Collingwood have been a very watchable team this year, and yeah, I love absolutely. that. Um, and a lot of it is him and Dugowie, um and side bottom. You know, that's a that's one of the strongest midfields, and we wouldn't have thought that before the year. Uh, Daniel Wells curse. Yeah, well, he's finished too. Um, but the he's effort, got a year. <laughs> the effort was there for Carlton. Um, that's all I can ask for at this stage. But uh, well, Carlton weren't uh, weren't out of the match in the first half, which uh, could easily have happened. They could have been just blown away. And they should, I think they uh, either equal or led even in the third quarter. Yeah, they got out there, but it was always going to be a, a, a mountain too high. Well, you know, if the lights go out and the place riots and they call the game off they they could have drawn so that's that's a win for them yeah all right we'll have a quick look at uh, round 15 then um uh, before we've got our other ones back to the nine games around i'm excited for that thursday night absolute travesty this isn't at the mcg first versus second richmond v the swans i think at the mcg this is an easy pick um but i'm going to tip the swans at Etihad stadium for an upset i'm on, I'm on richmond um I, I do agree. At uh, MCG, this would have been a, a better game, not just the least of which because they would have got 70-odd thousand. Easy. Because, um, you know, Richmond supporters aren't going to work. Hey, and Sydney have got a great uh, South Melbourne following here too. Mm. So I'm assuming there's some reason they can't play a Thursday night it, game at the G? It's contractual that every um, MCG side has to play one home game at Etihad. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's a trade-off because of finals or something like that, but that's that's why we played West Coast there. And um, I don't understand why the MCC is putting obstacles in front of the AFL when the AFL is the reason the MCC have a ground. Well, um, this, this is Eddie had not. Yeah, that's yeah not, no, I mean the MCC. If if their rule is that you can't play on Thursday nights or whatever, no, no that's definitely not the rule. Okay, yeah, it, I'm saying it's contracts that with Eddie had. Right, oh, Richmond have to play one home game there a year. Um, all um, MCG tenanted clubs have to play one home game at Etihad Stadium. Did this happen just after the AFL bought Etihad Stadium? No, no, it's always been there. And it, I, I don't understand it, but th- there must be a reason for it, and money must have changed hands, but AFL I don't like it. More gate. Uh, Sydney, for me, in an upset. Um, I'm on uh, Richmond, obviously. It's going to be fun. Always uh, rants on Buddy. That's going to be fun to watch. Great, great to watch. Um, who, probably... who can die further? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like 10 pin bowling. <laughs> they both dive sideways. I tell you what, if you're a, a small Richmond, a small North, uh, fuck me, tri- third try. Sydney? 
Small Sydney forward, stand behind the two because it just might come to you and hit you on the chest. Wrong. Is he still he's, he's good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's he still good. a bit of a tweak. But um, he'll have a great game if he uh, can stay around. Um, midfield battle, still going to be fun to watch. Isn't it? Um, you know, Rucks will do their thing, but no one's really going to pay much attention to them. Um, <laughs> how frustrated does uh, old mate Jack Revolt get? We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Plenty of excitement here. Okay. Um, and, uh, Bulldogs and the Cats, Eddie Ad Stadium on Friday night. I mean, the Bulldogs shown something, but the Cats are going to be too big, I think. Well, it's a, what a six-day turnaround for for the Bulldogs and the Cats coming off a break. Off a bye. Yeah. Oh, it's hard Cat, to hit the dogs. It is. Um, Carlton are hosting Port Adelaide in the MCG. Port will be glad to get out on the MCG. Um, and I tell you what, there's nobody better than to play there at the minute than Carlton. Well, no cruiser and Paddy Riders in form. Yeah, no cruiser. Lockie Plowman's gone. They are really struggling. They're going to have, I think, some more debutantes or something. But, uh, you know, some of the blokes they dropped for disciplinary reasons, and by discipline, I mean on-field discipline, um, mm-hmm. are going to have to come back. Well, I think if if I had free tickets of this and I was looking at a way to enjoy the match, uh, Ed Kerno on Robbie Gray is about the only way I can do it. If I have free tickets to this, they'd be bookmarks. Um, Adelaide and the Eagles at Adelaide Oval, well, Adelaide will be glad that they're playing footy again because the bye week has just meant more media <laughs> coverage on their bloody off-season shit. See, I don't mind this. Uh, if Kennedy's out, it does make it and interesting. Darling. I'll Kennedy tell you and what, Darling both out. Adelaide, every chance in the world. Um, the McGovern Cup, who wins it? Yeah, I, I'm still on the Eagles because I think that they were embarrassed last week and they're going to have to come out and play hard. Yeah, Adelaide were embarrassed too. So. Well, they were embarrassed two weeks in a row. One was playing footy and the other one wasn't. Yeah, I, I really want to go for Adelaide here because I, I feel like they have had a shithouse season with uh, injuries and... And form. And joining a cult or whatever. <laughs> so I'm on Adelaide in a bit of an upset. Um, fair to say that the PR department Adelaide has not worked well um, because all things about this off-season stuff, to then call a press conference and say, we're not going to talk about that, well, don't call the fucking press conference then. Yeah. Don't, who the fuck is their media advisor? Uh, not, not very but well. Literally, I could do a better job. Suns are hosting Collingwood at Metricon. Uh, Suns also lost Sam Day, I think, um, during the Hawthorne game, so they're really struggling. you think Collingwood would be enough to get over the line on that one. Well, I think it's going to be cheeky that Collingwood are turning up with the recruiting staff. Yeah, well, um, whatever works. Uh, the Giants are hosting Hawthorne on Saturday night. Um, fair to say, I don't think Jeremy Cameron's playing. <laughs> I do like this game, though, because Hawthorne have been a little bit off the boil lately, and yep. uh, GWS too. But the, the matchups are great. Will they put Sicily on Patton? Because I don't think... Uh, well, no, because I think Patton's going to be on Big Boy. I think he's going to yeah. be rucking. I guess he kind of has to, doesn't he? Um, Burgoyne out. Um, which is just about, it hasn't been confirmed, but it's just about guaranteed that he'll be sitting out this one. It'd be interesting if Jack Gunston plays because he pulled a, a bit of a calf in the last game and uh, they've been trying to play him across half back and they couldn't. Um, he had to go forward because he just didn't have the mobility. Will we see a bit of shield on shield action or is there not enough strapping? <laughs> it, it's not a bad matchup. I mean, uh, Liam is obviously slower than Dylan. Um, but uh, around contested ball. Um, look, if if they leave Tom Mitchell alone, I mean, they've got a great midfield, but their midfield is all, they're forward runners. Um, God, it's, uh, if Jeremy Cameron was playing, I think this is an easy tip for GWS because they were really getting up and running. I don't know how they're going to handle the week ahead. I think it's, one thing I have found with GWS is that they need their A side in to be uh, deadly because... Yep. They don't have a lot of um, 
utility players. They've got single role players who then pinch it left, right, and centre. But their their A side will take on any team. Yeah, well, especially when you got you know, um, you know Kelly Taranto, who's improved a lot. He has. Um, Canelio, uh, Shields, uh, running through. Griffin's playing some good footy. Um, there's a lot of options through the the middle of the ground. Um, God, Burgoyne out though just makes me worried. That's yeah, an inexperienced backline without Burgoyne. That's the that's the one that makes me tip GWS. If Burgoyne's in, I'd be comfortable tipping Hawks. But uh, no, I'm not. And like I said, Hawks have won eleven goals the last two weeks. It still hasn't convinced me at all. Uh, Sunday we got Melbourne hosting St Kilda at the MCG. Melbourne are looking for somebody to bully. They found it. They found um, it. I think so. I, I think they've had some poor form, but St Kilda have had worse. Essendon and North Melbourne at Etihad Stadium. Great game. Well, if if either team wants to play finals, they need to win. Yeah, yeah. That, this is a final for both teams, and uh, these teams have played some good finals in the past too. It's one of the ones where if you win, it doesn't mean you're playing finals, but if no. you lose, you're definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for Essendon, um, I, I think that's true. Uh, and Frio are hosting uh, Brisbane over there. Well, Brisbane now without Harris Andrews, who was yeah, I can't even. going close to their best and fairest. You know the way he was playing. Um, it's it's going to be hard to tip the lines for the rest of the year now. Uh, so we'll pick Frio on that one. Now, just quickly, uh, since we only had six games to talk about this week, we thought we'd do a bit of a, uh, a ladder predictor for the rest of the year. So uh, it's a great one from Squiggle, wasn't it? You put yep. it up or something? Yeah, because for some reason the uh, official AFL site hasn't bothered. Well, well, yeah, they are a little bit lax with those kind of things. But as always, the community comes forward and provides what the community wants and does it for free. Um, mm. So you've gone through it and I've gone through it. And uh, where does your uh, top eight sit? With your ladder predictor. Well, I've got uh, Richmond sitting number one with eight wins. Or equal number one, I should say. Yep. Uh, second, I've got uh, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide. That's an interesting one. <laughs> so you've essentially... I've got doubled the, down. You've got them going through the rest of the year undefeated. Yeah. I think I do. <laughs> um, I, I didn't actually think of it at the time, but each time I had them matching up, I had them winning. Right. So, I don't know, make of that what you will. Yep. All right, keep going. <laughs> uh, I've got West Coast coming in three with 17 wins. Um, and then fourth, Sydney with 17 wins as well. But uh, there'll be percentile differences there. I think West Coast is going to give a couple more hidings. Maybe I'm wrong. Depends if Kennedy and... Uh, yeah, how quickly they get back. Yeah, I mean. um, then I've got uh, Melbourne with 16 wins. Uh, and then I've got uh, North with 15 wins. Uh, Hawthorne with 15 wins. Geelong with 14, and Collingwood with 13. See, those two, Hawthorne and Geelong, I'm very surprised on. Um, but uh, I, I don't think Geelong are all that convincing. But when they get when everything's moving in the one direction, they are. But um, So you, you've got Hawthorne sneaking in as 7th above Geelong. Jeez, I'd, I'd love that. <laughs> and Collingwood in ninth. Well, yeah, that was uh, not intentional. Um, but... That's, that's the way it all shook well, out. Well, now with Trelaw out for what looks like the rest of the season, I think that becomes a possibility. I, I haven't tipped it. Well, I, I did this before I knew Trelaw was out. Yeah. So uh, I'm psychic, obviously. Well, you see, the problem is I did my ladder predictor and I didn't know Trelaw was out. So I got Collingwood a little bit higher. <laughs> well, uh, Hawthorne and North have got very, very easy runs home. So I think Collingwood's is a, a bit harder, not by yeah. a hell of a lot. And Geelong's is a lot harder. Um, so I did my predictor as well, and uh, I've got Richmond keeping the minor premiership a, a, a again, even you know wearing another loss or two. Um, like I said, I just tipped Sydney to beat them. So, um, but I've got Sydney sitting second. Um, I, I think their uh, run is 
um, not that bad. It's not that great either coming in, but they're just hitting their straps. When did when was Richmond's last minor premiership? Oh, eighties. Eighties. <laughs> if, if they're lucky. Um, uh, West Coast going to turn it around, so I've got them sitting in third with 17 wins. So 17 wins, you that can get you a minor premiership most years. So this year I'm, I'm tipping for third. So we've got the same top three. We've got the same top three. Oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. You got Port Adelaide for some fucking reason. <laughs> um, I, I put Collingwood in the top four. Um, and like I said, that was before I knew about Trelaw. Um, they've got a tough run home, but I've got them up there. Um, Geelong, 15 wins and fifth, um, which it is hard to tip this year um, because the bottom sides are so bad. Um, Melbourne, I see them turning around because they'll um, do a number on the teams below them. They're struggling against the other teams in the top eight at the minute. I've got a feeling they don't play many top eight teams from here on out either. I, I think they're yeah, six or one, half dozen the other, yeah. a, little, a little bit. Um, Port Adelaide, I've got them in seventh, but you know, 14 wins. Um, they've done enough at home to get over the line, and I think their away games aren't too bad. Um, but th- you feel like there, there is a crack there, and, and if they... Uh, hit an unlucky patch with injuries or, or form, I feel like they could drop a few that they shouldn't. Um, and I've got North Melbourne um, keeping steady in, in eighth, which is where they are now, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Eighth or seventh. Again, Hawthorne and North uh, equal eighth on percentage. Well, I've got Hawthorne, uh, North and Essendon. Well, and actually, Adelaide. no. I've got Hawthorne, North, Essendon and Adelaide all on 12 wins. So we know that 13 guarantees you finals. I've got four clubs on 12, and it'll come down to percentage. And at the moment, uh, North Melbourne's percentage is uh, the best out of the four of them. Um, but uh, for for that, I mean, I think the only one out of that lot that we actually play is Essendon. So I've got Hawthorne finishing ninth, and that's losing a couple that you know, you'd know you expect them to win. Well, yeah, North and Hawthorne both play Essendon, and I think uh, both play Adelaide too, maybe? Oh, no, we've already played Adelaide. Okay. We're, we're done. We've got games against Carlton, Brisbane, Sydney, um, and Bulldogs, um, Frio, and GWS to come. So there's you know six of the bottom seven, um, plus Essendon. Um, yeah, I think North's got the same run, but instead of GWS, they've got uh, Sydney. So they've got Carlton, Brisbane, St Kilda, Gold Coast, Bulldogs, uh, Sydney, Essendon. Yeah, we, we've just memory. played Gold Coast, so we don't have to play them again. But we've got Sydney and uh, Geelong to go. Um, so anyway, I've got Hawthorne sitting ninth, um, and uh, yeah, our, our biggest difference is you got Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide in second, and I've got them in seventh. I think you're just trying to get your preseason ladder predicted to work. I was fifty-one to one, so I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> um, but we we both got pretty much the same bottom level. Like uh, we both got. Oh, they're, they're not changing. The bottom four is not changing. Uh, the bottom five is not changing. Yeah. Well, St Kilda and Brisbane could swap, perhaps. Depending on if one gets up, but looking at Brisbane's uh, not now outs, it's it's hard to hard to make the case. Um, neither of us. I know you got Carlton winning one game. I, I can see them winning one. Just um, I haven't. I, I've got Carlton see, losing. I, I always tip last against second last because uh, they never know where the next win's coming from. And also, if it comes down to who wants the number one pick, <laughs> yeah. Although, what's Carlton going to fucking do with it? They haven't done already. Yeah, exactly. Mind you, Brisbane's not in a much better spot. Um, oh, Brisbane are the last couple. I think not getting the number one pick will mean more to Brisbane than, than it means to Carlton. Like they, they do not want a spoon again because that'll be three in a row. But I think uh, Carlton getting the number one pick, they know that they can keep the person for a little while. Whereas Brisbane are like, all right, we've got him for two years. Can we sign him again? Yeah, what can we, we do? Even yeah. got him in the building? No? Okay. Yeah. All right, that'll do us for this round. All right, peace.